Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to the Farm's Vice Podcast, where we talk everything agribusiness to benefit you as a farmer out there, no matter what your enterprise consists of. This is all part of the Harvest Series for 2021 and 2022, leading in depending how far along you are. From grain to horticulture and back again, we're covering all the industries across this Harvest Series, and this episode's a pretty special one, catching up with a mate from university He's been all around the world, over to London, and he's come back to work in the, his family law firm, which has been running since 1903, I believe. Really great stuff, and he's leading the way for young lawyers to create that relationship with other young farmers out there to get everything crossing the I's and crossing the T's and dotting the I's, so... Let's get into this episode, episode number two, and I think episode 69 kicks us off with Richard O'Halloran. Let's get into it. Richard, how are you going, mate? Or Rich? I'm well. I'm well, Jack. How are you? Beautiful, mate. We've been fencing all day today, and it's a bit of a treat to come in a little bit earlier to come talk to you and your expertise to see what's going on in your world of agriculture. How's things going up there in Tamworth? Uh, Things are well. So we're in a, a, a boom, an agricultural boom here in Tamworth, which is flowing over to the residential property market, and the commercial property market, all um, stemming from COVID. People looking elsewhere from Sydney, people with um, equity in houses, looking to invest in rural and regional Australia. So it's, it's leading to a, a demand and a lot of scarcity, which certainly creates a need for uh, local professionals here and in country New South Wales. Yeah, that's it. I think if we can bolster these regions, these hubs, Tamworth, Dubbo, Wagga, those sort of, and across Australia, really, they're going to start bolstering up and having these skills 
and the people to work and attract more. Um, it's going to be really good for both agriculture as well. We'll be able to access a few more re- resources. Um, just like yourself, a law firm based in Tenworth. It's not always like they're so accessible, but it's good to have you mm-hmm. on the show nonetheless. No, that's right. And I appreciate it. And well done on the show. It's um, it's always nice to see a, a young person stepping outside his lane and doing something um, of value and having an input in people's lives and, and particularly in the agricultural sector. Yeah, man, I, it was a huge gap I saw in connecting the internal side of it rather than worrying about the externals, which as a lawyer, you probably know pretty well about yeah. what the outside thinks of agriculture um yeah but if we worry about the internals i think it should look after itself the externals will look pretty positive yeah but that's today, right today mate on the show where the direction i'm looking to go with it is about share farming and how you should be looking at it is it something that the audience are or should be looking at at all what's your connection to like working with clients with share farming how do you see it currently? Yeah, I see it currently. So our connection stems from we have a number of generational clients having formerly a branch office in Moree, Narrabri, Corindai, and setting up a base here in Tamworth. And those generational clients um, hold the asset, which has incrementally increased exponentially in value. So it's certainly placed a barrier for people like yourself, young people like, um, like in our era, to access a farm and to experience the operations of a farm. So it's entirely relevant because it provides um, an opportunity, particularly for young people, to farm and to experience farm life prior to any transfer or any conveyance at law, um, which is beneficial on two grounds. Firstly, cost. As you've seen probably out in Dubbo, the cost of buying land is astronomical and very difficult for any young person to finance, even though interest rates are quite low. Um, And secondly, um, it provides an experience without the risk in one respect where there's no weekly rental or occupation fee. We're not entering into a lease, which provides security of tenure um, and provides legal rights, recourse and remedy, but it also binds one to a contract. essentially offers a win-win for both the landholder and the farmer by affording both parties the opportunity to achieve something together. And that name, share farming, if we look at the interpretation of that, is is on point. I know lawyers are renowned for um, words and, and misinterpreting words, but in terms of share farming, the landowner shares his land with the farmer who then shares his profit. So it's entirely, I think, relevant in this day and age for those matters I've just alluded to. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like the gig economy. Uh, You can take little parcels of land and actually start sharing that with the farmer that owns the land in that. But I was pretty rude before, and I actually haven't asked about yourself, Richard, your background and your connection to agriculture before we get into agribusiness. Give us a bit of a rundown of where you've come from and the firm. Mm-hmm. I know it's a bit of an old one there and doing pretty well. Yes, yeah, so our, uh, our firm, we're very privileged to deal with a number of rural clients. It started in 1903. It's one of the oldest, like 
say this without any form of um, of arrogance or of ceremony. It's one of the oldest family generational law firms in Australia. So it's in its fourth generation. So the beauty about that in this um, topic is that we have a number of clients. We, have brand, we had a branch office in Maureen, Narrabri. And as you know, farmers are very loyal. They share a number of really valuable traits where if you build a rapport, they generally stick with you and stand by you. Um, so I've seen um, clients who are uh, fourth-generation farmers, which stems from my great-great-grandfather. So it's really special maintaining that rapport in this digital age where I know a lot of people are moving to the online world, they're moving to telephones. We're quite old-fashioned and old-school where we like to meet people and we still once a month go out and see some of our old clients in Moree, Narrabri and Crindai, which is a bit closer um, because my grandfather was big on the common touch and it's very difficult, I think, to build that rapport and maintain that rapport without um, meeting people in this globalised era. So my background and relationship to agriculture stems from uh, the founding fathers of our firm, my great-grandfather, um, RJ O'Halloran, and my grandfather, Harry O'Halloran, and, and my father, Patrick, who all practice principally and solely in this area of agriculture and rural law. Um, so the affiliation is, is not one of practicality. It, it's one of a profession and affiliation, and, and we're very privileged, and it's a, it's a privilege to represent and act for any farmer, um, certainly not a right because they're uh, the heart and soul of our economy and our food bowl and, um, and of, you know, continuing our firm because 70% uh, of our clientele are farmers. So that's the background. I, I, I'm a, a fourth generation and I deal with the younger, the younger family members more so. My father, the, uh, the older farming family um, members. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's my background and relationship to agriculture. Beautiful. So you're carrying on the tradition working in the family's law firm, which is really good, and also drawing in that relationship and that rapport that you've built with clients before goes hand in hand in agriculture. As you said, mm. like we're so loyal to the sort of brands, the relationships that we've built before or even what our parents built, we tend to go back mm. to those and honour those um, and see the possibility mm. of carrying on into the future. But thanks for giving a bit of your background. We touched on like share farming and what it is and how it can sort of work for the current day and age. We're moving to harvest for 2021-2022, how can share farming and the agreement of that improve both the farmer that owns the land and also the share farmer that's going to be coming on and carrying out the work side of it, looking at more so Broadacre for this harvest series? It's a good question and it's entirely relevant, um, as you know, coming into harvest. So practically, I think we go back to the starting point of a contract um, which brings people together, a deed, um, because 70% of our problems, um, which we see, are based around oral agreements between farmers where issues and the intent of the parties isn't clearly outlined because, as you know, in this changing world, 
changing climate and farmers know all too well um, that a handshake agreement is illusory in this day and age with change, with we've gone through COVID, we've gone through drought, we've gone through bushfires, which has really frustrated a number of contractual relationships. So uh, the starting point between any landowner and any farmer goes back to the contract or a deed, which brings people together. That Latin connotation of contract and contract law um, is entirely relevant to a share farming agreement. That's essentially what it is breaking it down from a, on a very practical level, which then outlines the terms. So the landowner and the farmer, the registered proprietor and the farmer who's providing the labour, then generally need to agree, and if they can't, their advisors might be able to assist, on a percentile split, which is how I like to look at it. So if the landowner is providing his land to a farmer, um, what percentage is the farmer taking and what percentage is the landowner taking a profit? We're in the, the game to be commercial and to build some revenue. So I often recommend 70%. My subjective view is that 70% should go to the farmer who's providing the labour. And then I think we need to look at generally speaking, contingencies. Um, what will happen in the event of ABC? What will happen in the event of illness, accident, death, hypothetically? Who's going to be insured? Is there um, a need for workers' compensation insurance or public liability insurance? If that farmer's bringing people onto the land, if he's bringing his own equipment onto the land. So all these little ancillary issues um, are entirely relevant to the upcoming harvest if we have a share farming arrangement um, which can be outlined in a deed and that deed can then be relied upon in the event of a change um, to provide the parties with some categorical direction moving forward. Um, there's an old legal adage where the faintest ink is better than the fondest memory um, and in that regard if we can commit the party's intentions to writing, um, and the farmers are very bright operators themselves. They'll, they'll generally agree on the terms prior to attending on their professional advisor to draft the terms. Um, that's the starting point and that governs the relationship and that provides the parties with direction moving forward. Yeah, beautiful. So first off for a farmer, it's probably a lot more, as you said, ancillary elements that go into it of actually mm. combining that into your share farming deed and starting off that agreement for two mm. farmers that they're mates. How important is it that they do get some ink to paper about starting an agreement, a deed for that rather it, than just going off hearsay of the fondest mm. memory, as you said before. Yeah, it is. It's very important because if you look at the case law surrounding this area um, and the authorities surrounding this area, it's an area where legislation, thankfully, hasn't been ratified, which governs this type of transaction. Um, in many other legal spheres, you have your leasing, your retail leases, act, your commercial leases, you might have your agricultural tenancies. This is a rare area of law which is governed by common law contractual principles, which makes it all the more important to turn that handshake into a deed because farmers are very proud people and they're honest people, but they're often not um, or they are often averse to entering into a deed 
governing matters, which can be quite sensitive to talk about. Um, so it's important for two reasons, A, to reduce the risk of any dispute and B, to govern the relationship um, because the deed's the starting point um, and a handshake agreement, yes, can be binding, but it's very difficult to enforce and it's very difficult to cover. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't really go back to or reference something that was said verbally or over even a handshake, something, a piece of paper, which is a bit of a theme for the other series episodes we've had on the show which is always good for farmers to start getting something, a bit of structure into their plan and how it can build up. Um, and even share farming can really create something to improve your outlook as a farmer, um, as the farmer that owns the land. You're just getting a passive sort of income there without having to do the hard yards. But as you said, I think that 70-30 split would work quite well of the person doing all the work at 70% and 30% goes back to the farmer that owns the land. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So looking at the lease or share farming, how do you value like your share farming? Looking at that 70, 30%, are you just going specifically for that percentile? Or like if you have different soils, if you light soils, heavy soils, that can produce a better crop, better livestock. How should we be looking at that? Should we be just going yep. off ourselves as a farmer or should we get some expertise in to help mm. with this? I'll break, uh, I'll answer that question in, in two parts. Firstly, um, when we refer to a lease, we're entering into a, uh, a legally binding agreement which affords a tenant security of tenure. With a share farming agreement, it's almost like a mere contractual agreement whereby it's an access agreement and a licence agreement. The, the legal remedy isn't as stringent as a lease where you have registered interest in the land, which is inalienable against all the world. However, you do fund that. You pay a regular weekly or fortnightly fee. With a share farming agreement, it's a licence. So, it's, it's a different intent by the parties. So that intent then flows in to the type of relationship, the type of organisation and enterprise you wish to run on the farm. And, and often in many share farming agreements, you cannot enter into the agreement if you don't have some competency, if you're a third party. It's a little bit different for family members um, where we often see dad or pop wanting to give son or grandson an opportunity uh, without the cost of paying weekly rental or lease fees, without the cost of purchasing a bit of land and paying the loan, interest, mortgage repayments, but providing them with access to the land to cultivate the soil or use it for grazing purposes. Um, and then from there, the terms flow. So that percentile split, I think, is fair when labour's so hard to come by and scarce. And it also affords the landowner the opportunity to earn passive income well above rental returns here locally. Um, so it generally is a win-win for both parties. Where we see issues is if there's a dispute, resolving the dispute, is if there's a poor season and, and that um, percentile split needs to be um, reviewed or it wants to be reviewed and we're tied to the deed, um, if a party wants to challenge the deed. Um, so each case is 
different and there's no one size or one farm fits all. But as a starting point, I personally recommend 70-30, but I do see cases where it's 50-50, depending on the land, pending on the soil, pending the, the enterprise. Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. You like share farming for family members. That would be quite a good way to look at it. I might even have to look at it myself. Um, mm. Is that a common trend that you see that family members are share farming with their family rather than just leasing the block for themselves? Very common because um, it, it affords the, the farmer the opportunity to yep. really learn, develop and, and not not experience the cost whereby you're working um, to pay off the mortgage, to pay the rent. You actually actually see some benefits um, and it can be quite prosperous. Um, so it's excellent as a succession vehicle um, prior to any conveyance of the land, prior to any, any death, prior to any inheritance of the farm um, because an arrangement can be tailored to the farmer who wants to stay or return to the land or wants to experience it. He may have little experience, may have moved away, lived in London, moved home. Um, so it provides that opportunity. And as, as you know, experience is, is the key and it's invaluable. So it's, we're seeing it a lot more practically here in the Liverpool Plains because of the cost to buy a farm, because of the cost to rent one, um, it's just... In harsh terms, it's too much for young people, um, particularly when they're spending money maybe on equipment headers. I see costs are through the roof there and there's issues with manufacturing and importing. Um, so it's a, it's a way around the system, which is a cost-effective way, and it's a win-win for both parties, all things being equal. Absolutely. And we've really like shone the light on share farming as a positive attribute that you can fit into your own model. But what are some challenges farmers are likely to come up and how can we start to prevent these obstacles that share farming brings along with it, whether that's like breaking <laughs> contract or yeah. an accident on farm with machinery? Yeah, so from a purely legal um, perspective, a challenge I often see is a share farming agreement only provides a mere contractual right by that I mean you do not have what's called security of tenure, which you have under a lease. So with a lease to break it down, you are protected against all the world. That is your land registered at the land titles office um, for you to cultivate and use pursuant to a lease. The difficulty we have often seen is when the relationship breaks down between landowner and farmer and we have a mere contractual right. And practically, we might see one of the parties seek to change that, right? Um, and the agreements are often silent on such event. They're silent on such dispute resolution mechanism or clauses. And then enforcing that um, becomes difficult because we don't, we're not entitled to exclusive possession as a matter of law, if you're the farmer. Um, so then the issue becomes... How do we resolve matters when the contract may have some deficiency from a legal perspective in a court of law? Thankfully, though, practically, and, and we always try to come from a practical perspective, these matters are now referred to mediation as a starting point, notwithstanding the context of the deed. And it's at mediation, I think the stat was when I looked at it last week, over 80% of matters settled. So th that is some positive silver lining 
to a challenge which we often see, and that is that uh, a share farming agreement is merely a licence agreement. So the terms can be changed very quickly and you don't have that security of tenure. That's probably the number one issue we see, um, but it can also be addressed in the agreement. But then we've got to be mindful that the tighter we make the agreement, the more likely it is to constitute a lease as a matter of law. So that's one legal issue we see, um, but it's certainly not an impediment in terms of it can be resolved and it's not the be all end all with mediation now and collaboratively um, resolving such issues in every contract I've seen over the last 12 to 18 months. So that's one challenge. And the other challenge is, um, is seasons, costs, those personal budget, those personal circumstances, which people often dive into without going through and obtaining their own cost benefit analysis, preparing a budget, um, gaining, gaining some uh, advice, professional advice from an accountant or a legal advisor prior to entering onto the land or jump in the gun jumping onto the land without an agreement and then trying to, to retrospectively enter into an agreement. So there are probably two or three challenges which we see, but they can all be avoided by obtaining some advice and slowing yep. things down to make sure you're making the right decision for you in all the circumstances. Yeah, that's it. I think people can, it's so easy to be able to jump the gun and get in there and start working. But if you come back to the basics and just get ink to paper um, and you'll, be able to nut out a few things so that it can hopefully prevent and also create some positivity with the share farming agreement. You can actually earn a good dollar with it and actually not needing to buy that land for its purpose. But for share farmers, who have you seen that's been most relevant for within agriculture, Broadacre? Is it for those older farmers that are looking to sort of offset what they do or how much they work, how and what have you seen in the field? What we're seeing practically is families um, yep. with farmers looking to plan for the future. One or two of the boys aren't certain on overtaking um, the business or taking on the enterprise. They might be travelling. They're just a bit unsure if they want to be tied to the land for 30, 40 years. So we often see mum, dad, grandma, grandfather sit down and offer the opportunity to share farm for a certain period of time. And I, rec I recommend nothing less than five years, three years maybe with an option because um, there are costs associated with, as you know, the equipment, the machinery, and they've got to be able to turn a profit. And that first year or second year can often be the most challenging. So it provides them with an opportunity in a five-year plan and a 10-year plan where they, they are entitled to rescind or relinquish the agreement or not renew the agreement um, at the end of the term um, if that's drafted accordingly and appropriately. Um, and then that affords both parties a little bit of a win. It affords the landowner the, the opportunity to provide the first right to his son, to his grandson, and, and then it provides the, the son or the grandson with that opportunity to explore and, and see if it's really for him. Because as you know, farming might be in the blood, but it's not for everyone. Um, and I think a lot of people need to be conscious of the commitment if they're looking to buy a farm or rent a farm or they're going to over, um, overtake um, an enterprise or take over an enterprise um, because it's a 
if you're a young person, it can, it's a lifelong journey and it's a lifelong lesson. So this provides an opportunity to make a decision. So we're seeing it in families as part of a succession plan. Um, theoretically, it's excellent. And then practically we see the difficulties, which no one sees until you're on deck yeah. on the farm. So um, it's a win-win in that respect and that's where we're seeing it to answer uh, that, that question. Yeah, well, I think it's a great way to dip your toe in the water and actually have accountability for it. So you really want to get a good crop off if you're share farming so you can get some mm. good benefit out of it. How do you work it in if, like, the crop goes to shit or something like that or the weather, yeah. diverse weather impacts what you get off and or you lose some yeah. livestock? How does that work to cover your losses as a farmer but also even if it's your son, your daughter that's share farming with you? That's right. So provision in any deed or agreement accounts for, sadly, the agreement being terminated in the event of if you're grazing out west, a severe drought and the cattle, sadly, um, have to be put down. What we account for is trying to wind it up and not spend good money after bad. So to get you out, and to use the analogy to cut and run. So both parties are still entitled if they do agree to rescind the agreement early or if the farmer doesn't want to extend the option or if, he, if there's an issue and the agreement has to be terminated, both parties are entitled to that crop that is planted in the ground um, pursuant to the agreed terms, so the 70-30 or the 50-50, if things aren't working out, that needs to be factored in and dealt with in either cultivated or um, sold through a contract locked in or um, one must cut and run and there's obviously implications there from the contractual side of, of things and then there will also be tax implications with the, the farmer who's generating income and entitled to primary production exemptions and, and, and the landowner who's, um, who's just receiving the income, um, which must be declared. So that needs to be factored in, wound up in tax returns. The agreement needs to be rescinded. Then if, the, if it's a dispute, as I, as I said earlier, every case is different. Um, every issue is different. So if we can try and tailor on a contingency basis as much as we can in the agreement, it gives us a way out as best as we can. I think my grandfather used to say, when you're in trouble, the best way forward is getting out as best and as quickly as you can. So in the agreements, I said we try and get people out of them if there's such an event whereby they can't fulfil those obligations as quickly and as expeditiously as possible. Um, and that's another benefit of an agreement. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pretty wise from your grandfather. Get out as quick as possible um, and make sure that you don't keep share farming into the future if you're not if it's not working out, just cut cut mm. loose um, and move on. But mate, thanks for coming on and sharing your expertise. You're the first law firm lawyer that we've had on the show. And it's great to see another side That's of what right. agriculture offers. Even like working as a lawyer within agriculture, a lot of people don't know these sort of roles exist. For agriculture, mm. people just think we're out there picking potatoes all day long in the hot sun. Um, so it's good to have you on and share that. And I think, uh, no pun intended, share farming is pretty a good avenue to go down as a young farmer 
even like as yeah. you said with family it's really good avenue to have the chat with your parents or whoever may be in charge that owns the farm be quite good down further mm. down the run for that indeed. five years indeed mm. so mate thanks for coming on the show who else would you like to hear on the farm Advice podcast and why Mm. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. It's a real privilege to um, to be part of this, I'll call it a startup, um, which is really blossoming. I see that you've got almost 5,000 um, subscribers on, um, on online there on Spotify. And, yeah, they're really um, ticking along that, now. Yeah, and it's only going from strength to strength. So firstly, thank you. Secondly, um, I'm going to propose... Um, a, a politician for better or worse, but there's a, a, an impressive uh, young politician who we share some similarities, a love for cricket, and he's currently based in Moree. Um, and, and obviously my fa- family has ties to Moree's, and that's Adam Marshall, and I think he's the former Water or Agricultural Minister. I think he'd be excellent on this podcast um, and would really um, provide some good information and, and advice to farmers from what he sees um, at the high end, the decision-making yeah. end. Absolutely. Another guest that we haven't really had on the show, politician-wise and also from the water side of it as well. But that's really good. Mm. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing your expertise. If anyone wants to get in touch with yourself and the law firm, how can we contact you, Rich? And do you have any social media handles there at the law firm? Yeah, so we're moving to the IT world, so we can do everything uh, online at www.rjohalloran.net.au and we're also on Facebook, LinkedIn by just putting in RJ O'Halloran and Enco and, um, or you can call us direct on 02676662. Beautiful, you know it off by heart. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, mate. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for tuning in for this episode. Pretty special episode. Rich articulates himself pretty well um, and how to see how share farming can help you as a farm operator. If you're working on your own, it's a really good avenue. Or if you're looking for to get your foot in the door with a family farm, you can take the reins from your parents and see how that works out for you. And it's also a really good way to double your toe in the water to see if you're up for it or if you enjoy what it is. Share Farming offers that ability to provide that initial step. So go home, have a think about it, share this episode around with a few farmers out there that are looking into share farming and they want the lawyer's point of view from it. Really good view from Rich there and he just went into quite a lot of depth of a lot of stuff that I didn't know and share farming is looking like a pretty positive step for a lot of farmers out there livestock but more so on the harvest series cropping we're looking for this time no worries won't waste any more of your time have a cracking weekend and we'll see you next tuesday for another episode of the harvest series on the farms Vice podcast thank you until then keep on farming Thank you very much for listening right the way through this episode for the Harvest Series. If you want to find out a little bit more, sign up to our email newsletter at farmsvice.com.au. 
You'll see the prompt there, sign up, and we'll give you a little bit more extra content than you do across our socials. Jump in there, all the innovative farmers are among our group and even join our Facebook group. Search up Farms Advice and in the search bar on Facebook and you'll be sure to find it. No worries, see you soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market